Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodgers fans? Your Los Angeles Dodgers are 81 and 35. Mind blowing that they already have 81 wins. If they lost every game, they'd still finish 500, which obviously isn't going to happen. But Kevin Klein here, Jake Reiner's in the house, David Rosenthal's in the building, and we're also joined by Chris Camello tonight, the reporter for Nightcast Media, as well as hosting a very awesome Lakers podcast. Uh, with his buddy it's called the outlet forum i highly recommend he recently had on trevor lane and he'll disclose more guests maybe we'll talk about some lakers at the end of the podcast but chris camella friend of the show thank you so much for coming back on how you feeling man feeling good man it's good to see craig kimbrell uh avoided another meltdown so i guess (laughs) that's good and finally protect a one-run lead but no everything is good thank you guys for having me on it's an absolute pleasure all right well i want to address the elephant in the room to start the show off right away. And you already mentioned him. It's Craig Kimbrell. We were pounded with questions about him. The Dodgers closer at the moment. It's been a rough ride. I mean, he's three and five, a 450 ERA on the season. He does have 21 saves. He's blown four of opportunities though. A 155 whip. Um, seven clean innings all season long out of the 45 appearances. That's a heart attack right there. He finally finally closed a game out in a one run lead that was in this most recent win against the Brewers where the Dodgers held on two to one, but the game before he came in an extra innings Dodgers were up by a run. Uh, Eventually what's his name? Victor Caratini came through with a two run little blooper that gave the Brewers a walk-off win. Dodgers, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it was having a major meltdown after the game. Dave Roberts did defend his closer, although it looked like, before today's game, he kind of doubled down on what he was saying, but he gave Kimbrell another opportunity. And despite allowing two runners on, Kimbrell did close the door. The Dodgers won two to one. So what are your guys' thoughts on the Craig Kimbrell experience this season? And I will turn it back to Chris, our guest. Oh, man. Uh, put me on the spot right out of the gate. Uh, yeah, Craig Kimbrell, I think, has been a disappointment in a lot of ways. I think even by his standards. I mean, you heard after he blew that that game in extra innings the other night. And granted, there were some fluke things that worked against them. A, a running bunt single from Hunter Renfro, one of the biggest free swingers in the league. And that guy gets hit probably his first bunt base hit of his career. But to me, with, with Craig Kimbrell, it reminds me so much of what we went through as Dodger fans last year with Kenley Jansen. When you really think about it, it's the same situation. Soft contact uh, and, and lack of command. And that's what gets these guys in trouble. Now, the difference is the, these issues with Kimbrell aren't so magnified because the Dodgers have a 17-game lead in the, uh, in the division, whereas Jansen was getting roasted after every blown save because every win was crucial. So the dynamic is different. The Dodgers are giving him leeway. And I, and, and I, I mean, Dave Roberts going with him one night after he blew the save just goes to show why he is one of the great managers in this game. It's like, I'm going to keep running this guy out there until he figures it out. 
And that's what we saw from, from Craig Kimbrell and he rewarded that trust. Uh, but yeah, it definitely doesn't leave you feeling too good in the long run. You know, I, I really, I like that last point you made about uh, what Dave Roberts did. This was, this was a prove it deal for Dave Roberts and Craig Kimbrell. He basically said, and I'm not quoting Dave Roberts, but basically by putting Kimbrell out there night after he blows a save, he basically says, okay, Craig, go get the damn save. Like you're going back out there. You got a one run lead. You're, you're going to get this done. We trust you. Um, and we want to see what you're made of. And, you know, he got it done, albeit it was uh, a little tricky. I don't know what happened tonight. It was like, it was like first Caleb Ferguson gets two quick outs and then he gets into trouble. And then Craig Kimbrell gets two quick outs, then he gets into trouble. So it was kind of a weird night for the relievers. But the, the thing about Kimbrell is that he is an outlier in this bullpen. Everyone else kind of just does their job, knows their role, gets it done. You don't really hear much about him. I was thinking about tweeting about Caleb Ferguson after the after his outing tonight because nobody really talks about him. But before that outing, he had never get a, given up a run all year. Um, and so that's kind of what you get in this bullpen. And the only glaring weakness is Kimbrell because of the heart attack that he provides every time he comes into a game. Yeah, so Craig Kimbrell is, for 99% of Dodgers fans, the equivalent of taking pre-workout before the gym. It, it is a human anxiety attack in the form of a closer. Uh, for me, for some reason, I always have confidence in the guy. I always think he kind of looks pretty good. He has control of at least one pitch and command of at least one pitch every time he goes out there. Would be, would be great if he could do both at the same time, which we've talked about on here for about that would, two that months would be now. The trick. Uh, that would be the goal, ideal goal for a closer. Uh, but again, he hasn't blown that many games this year. Uh, we did see the stat last night where he entered, he's entered this season, uh, a, a one run game four times, uh, and has not gotten it done in uh, any of those four times until tonight, uh, until tonight and, is the first and, night. And you know, and just quickly, what that tells me is, is two things. One, the Dodgers have been just blowing the competition out of the water. Awesome. So there, so there are no save opportunities, but number two, it tells me that Closers just don't matter as much anymore. You need to have strong, a strong bullpen. You need to have high leverage guys. It's, it's so key. That's how the Dodgers have been able to be the best team in baseball with one of the weakest closers, because it really doesn't matter at the end, at the end of the day in the regular season, the postseason is a whole different beast. And that's a discussion for a whole nother time, but I don't, I don't trust Craig Kimball right now in the, in the, in the postseason. It's a, at all. It's a discussion right now. And, Cause we're getting into it. Well, hold on. hold on one second. I just want to say one thing, two things, actually. I agree with your point. Uh, it is about it kind of extending the game, throwing in your Evan Phillips, your Blake Trinan, the seventh and the eighth, and give yourself, give your, your offense opportunity to score more runs before the ninth inning to make that ninth inning less stressful. So there is that argument. That's why I don't think you're going to see Phillips closing anytime soon. Uh, and the second thing I wanted to say, this is a complete trial period for Craig Kimbrell. I've said it all year. There is no attachment to this guy. This is his first year with the Dodgers. If he's not going to be able to get it done for the next month and a half of the season, his ass is not going to be on the playoff roster. I understand it's it's concerning for Dodgers fans who have who have been subjected to terrible relievers uh, for probably your entire life as a Dodgers fan. But again, this is a 17 game lead in the in the division. This next month and a half, if he can't get right. You're not going to see him pitching in the playoffs and you're for sure not going to see him pitching in the ninth inning period. This is and, a complete trial period. And just very quickly, remember in 2020 Roberts went away from Kelly Jansen. Yep. So we know he has it in him. I mean, this is, that's such a bad narrative though. Cause Jansen was the closer in game four of the world series. He blew it. So they pivoted away. He closed a big game in game six against Atlanta. So Jansen was a huge factor for the Dodgers. In right. The world right. Series but who run. closed out the final game? It was Urias, yeah. And actually, go back to game five. But you like, have to win four games. No, I, sorry, I know Chris. that. I know that. But if but if he's sorry, the closer, ahead, he would have come in that game for sure. No doubt. I mean, listen, you have to go to the hot hand. And one of the narratives I like to go to, and I hate to reference this team, but it, it's relevant to this conversation. Go back to the San Francisco Giants 2010, 2012, 2014. What did those three teams have in common? Three different closers. Brian Wilson in 2010. 2012, it was Sergio Romo. The next two years, Romo kind of loses his stuff. It's Santiago Casilla who becomes a closer in 2014. So it goes to show you 
the the relief core of every team is is like dealing with mercury or as robert downey jr would say in tropic thunder it's like a hot science man it's an art form you an artist you know so i mean <laughs> that there is that element of you you have to write out the hot hand look at david price every uh, i mean i know kevin was like I would I would be very surprised if if uh, David Price is not DFA'd by by the beginning of July. The guy's got a. Two- that was me too. I said that too. Right, and I'm sure you guys were all saying that. All of Dodger Nation was saying that. But look at him now. The guy is killing it. Granted, lower level. Scary though. Players. Scary though with Dave Roberts. He's gaining trust. He's gaining trust. He's gaining trust. You start working these guys off in lower leverage situations. You start working them way, uh, working his way up uh, to a four run lead. It was ho-hum for, for David Price on Monday night in a 4 nothing game. So it just goes to show you relievers can get hot and cold at, at different points. So that's why it's like, I agree with what you said, Dave. This is an audition period, not just for Kimbrell, but for Trinan, for Gratterall, for Tommy Canely if he comes back, Yancy yeah. on Monday. The next six weeks is almost going to be like a glorified spring training. Who yep. won high leverage uh, situations? Show me what you got. Yep. All Nailed right. it, Chris. All right. Yes. Let me finally get in there. Cause that's, <laughs> that's what I was trying to do. Uh, so yes, the next six weeks or whatever are a huge period for Kimbrell, but I almost think the Dodgers have already made up their mind. And I don't think Craig Kimbrell is going to make the postseason roster. There's just no need for him. If he can't close games in all season long, we have way too large of a sample size. He just can't get it done. The real closer on this team has been obvious and it's going to be Evan Phillips when it matters most. Now, it might not necessarily be the ninth inning, but Evan Phillips is going to come into the ball game against the heart of the order, whether that's the seventh inning, the eighth inning, the ninth inning. He has been that guy for the Dodgers all season long. How can you do much better than a 134 ERA and an 031 ERA since May 29th? And yes, I'm glad Chris brought up David Price because I was hard on him the first half of the season, but I've seen the light. And if I'm assembling a postseason roster right now, there is no reason to choose Craig Kimbrell over David Price because David Price has been absolutely dealing. He's gotten 243 ERA on the season. His last 30 games or so, he's been pretty much flawless. He doesn't even have a loss on the season. And he's a guy that's been there, done that. He's won a World Series. And so I am going with the hot hands, and that's definitely not Craig Kimbrell. Anything else we want to talk about with Kimbrell? I know we got a few uh, listener questions. We got, where are they? Steve 3PO, Craig Kimbrell. It's a good username. Catch the Blues, loyal listener. What was his question? It was just Kimbrell, why? (laughs) (laughs) That might be my favorite question we've ever had, honestly. Yeah. Catch the Blues, loyal listener. Oh, go ahead. No, I I just want to say one thing about Kimbrell. If there's one positive that Craig Kimbrell, especially amidst all the injuries to the relievers that he's provided to the Dodgers, it's role definition. So at least you knew, especially early in the season, after Trinan went down, after Bradderall went down, Tommy Canley went down, all, and, and then Victor Gonzalez, all these guys that we thought were going to have big-time roles, at least with Kimbrell, you knew the ninth inning was his. So it allowed Dave to worry about one less inning and focus on the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. And now the problems have kind of come in reverse, where it's like, we got six, seven, and eight on lockdown. Now it's about getting Craig right in the ninth inning. So at least from that aspect early in the year, he provided some sort of stability and gave Roberts one less thing to have to worry about late in games. Yep. Which is big for Dave because we know we've seen him get into trouble too many times with that. Yeah. You don't need to add one more thing to his plate. Yeah. It's going to be a closer by committee in October. I guarantee it. I think you're right. Oh, they're going to mix and match like hell. So catch the blues. He wanted to know, is there anyone in the bullpen that you trust less than Craig Kimbrell? It's kind of hard to point out anyone else, but I think Reyes Maranta is my default guy. He's not been that impressive all season. It's kind I know of a cop-out answer, though. Phil Bickford has been kind of disappointing, but yeah. to be honest, if I have to get three big outs, I think I'm going Bickford over Kimbrell right now. I, I don't know. For some reason, I still trust him when he's out there. I, I can't explain it. I just think he's going to yeah, get the outs you, you really, when he's out there. You really can't explain it. I, I, you know, he's given me not a lot of, you know, solid tape on himself that gives me that feeling, but I've I still re- have I that have, I've had to refill my Pepto-Bismol because of him. I mean, yeah. it, is, it, is, it is a tough watch out there. And it, the thing is, is like he doesn't get hit that hard. It's like he just, if he could just command 
the zone and command his pitches. He's freaking Eric Gagne out there, but nobody's hitting him that, that well. He gave up a hit tonight, but honestly, if there wasn't a shift, that would have been a ground ball to second. And one, one thing, one thing we haven't said, but we've, we've talked about before. Craig Kimbrell himself says that he's not anything but a closer. So if he's not going to be pitching the ninth inning in the playoffs, then he's not, he's not going to be on the roster. Right. I, I mean, you can't said that. You yes. said that this episode just said that like two minutes ago. Okay. Well, I'm repeating it. Once again, I go back to Jansen. That was the same situation as Jansen, because if you don't have him in the ninth inning, you can't yeah. just put these guys around because they'll like, like you were saying, Jake, the, the seventh and the eighth inning are more important now than the ninth inning. That's the one thing that we've learned about the game over the last 10 years. That's why thankfully Blake Trinan is coming back. And I do not think it's optimal for the Dodgers to use him as the primary closer, unless it's like the best guys in the ninth. I think I said this a few weeks ago, but if there's a situation where there's like runners on second and third and we're in the sixth inning, that might be the game right there. I'm going to Trinan because you need to put out that fire now and not let this game get out of hand because if you fall too far behind, it might not matter the rest of the game. So you got to play to win now in that inning, not worry later. They even brought Trinan in in like the fourth in 2020, I remember. I'm I'm with you, but in the playoffs, it's kind of a different animal because not a lot of guys have closing experience in general on this roster. uh, And Blake Trinan is about one of the only people who does. So I think in a big game, close game, you might need to save him for the ninth inning because it is a different animal. The ninth inning, you'll talk to relievers. The ninth inning is significantly different than every other inning, regardless of Right. But look at the relievers that we have. They're all high leverage relievers. You, you don't necessarily need to bring in Blake Trinan in the fifth. If you can, if you can bring in Yancey Almonte and save that bullet for, for the later innings, because if the game gets a little out of hand in the fifth inning, it's easy to recover. Yeah. As opposed to the ninth inning when, you know, you can lose the game. Yep. Uh, Kevin, I had a quick question for you. And then I, and I mean, I'll, give it over to you guys, but I wanted to ask Kevin this six right-handers on a postseason roster in the bullpen. Yep. Who are those six? Trinan, assuming he's right. Phillips, Almonte. I think Dustin may. So we're going to get into him. He might be a starter or a reliever. So that's your fourth. Gratterall is going to be in there. Yes. Gratterall. Okay. Yeah. Gratterall. It's been a minute for Gratterall for sure. He'll be in there. And so I don't know. You're leaving Kimberl off. I am leaving Kimberl. I don't know if there's going to be a, another one because I actually am thinking Vessia, Ferguson, Ferguson, and Price. Oh, there is another. Sorry, Chris Martin, my guy. How could I forget? Oh. Uh, how could you forget your guy? Yeah, he's yeah. been he's been nails. So, and he's a high leverage reliever, whether you want to accept it or not. He's pitched like it. He has. He's shown he's, us. He's a World Series champion, so he's been there, done that. Rock solid, yeah. So there, there are a lot of options, without a doubt. Um. I want to get into Tony Gonsolin because, wow, there's your number three starter right there. It's Tony G, 15-1 and one on the year, 2-12 ERA, has the best opponent, opponent batting average against, was lights out against the Brewers tonight, seven shutout innings, eight strikeouts, defeated one of the biggest thorns in the Dodgers' side, Eric Lauer. Gonsolin leads the National League and wins. Like I just said, I think he's your game three starter. What more is there to say about Tony Gonsolin? He has just been just remarkable. Well, I mean, he has obviously shown to everybody that what happened in the first half wasn't a fluke, and he's continued it into the second half. And to face a team like the Brewers, a contending team, you know, this is a, this was a series that I really thought was going to test the Dodgers because they're playing a contending team, a potential playoff opponent, but also facing some really good pitching. Like Brandon Woodruff really pitches them, pitches them well. Eric Lauer always pitches them well. And then um, who's their who's their ace? Why am I blanking? Corbin Burns. Or Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns. Isn't he isn't he going tomorrow? He so is. they're yeah. they're facing a lot of a lot of great competition. But Gonsolin, he shoved. And the other thing about it is he showed a lot of confidence. Like there were a bunch of strike threes where he would strut off the mound and it looked like he was going towards the dugout. Like he just was so cool, calm, and collected out there, had command of his pitches. That splitter is freaking nasty. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's better than he's ever looked. Oh, no question. Only two hits allowed tonight, and the walks have just been under control. I believe he's got 33 in 120 innings or whatever he's thrown this season. 
absolutely just amazing breakout season for Gonsolin. The only thing, the only thing I could, the only knock against him is he's got bad facial hair. But other than that, he's terrific. Hey, it's pretty unique. It you really don't see is. a lot of guys rocking that beard t- style. It's just like a lot of down here. You know? I, I didn't think I'd get a lot of opposition to that take. Crazy, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. hey, never mind crazy cat lady you got the crazy cat man and that beard and that hair is definitely uh it, it is the symbol it is the essence of that no but he's been fantastic and and to be quite honest guys history wasn't on his side because if you look at some of the dodger all-stars who kind of burst onto the scene alex wood in 2017 ross stripling in 2019 those were all uh, followed by poor second halves to the point where it's just like yeah, we knew that was a, a, you know, a flash in the pan or whatever. Anyone could get hot for three months and then can you do it for a whole season? And it kind of looked like, don't forget, it was going that way for Gonzalez. Remember that loss against Washington? Yep. Uh, he had a couple of other sort of so-so starts. He got shelled by St. Louis. That was the, the massive comeback win. Um, but since then, Colorado, uh, San Diego, KC, and now Milwaukee, four really good starts in a row. So it goes to show you, I may have been teetering, but I found my way again. So hopefully he continues to ride that thunder all the way through September. Excellent point. Got to throw in my boy, Chad Billingsley, though, if we want to throw in great first halves and awful second halves. <laughs> yeah. It's a repressive, Evan. I'm trying to, you know, we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> Gonsolin, Anderson, and Arias have a combined 30, 41 wins on the year. 41. And yet all the love is going to DeGrom and Scherzer and Carrasco in New York, huh? That is a nasty three-headed monster that the Dodgers have had consistently this entire year. Yep. I mean, their ERAs are all under two, 280, uh, all over 120 innings. It's just they've all been so consistent the entire year. Are we going to get to the, the six-man rotation comment, or can I just make that comment now, or did you have I think you there? just did make it. So All right, well, let's go. Six-man rotation. Love the idea. To that point of what we saw last year in 2021, we talk about it all the time. Starting pitchers ran out of gas. Of course, mm-hmm. they overused Arias like crazy, but they ran out of gas. And Robert said today that he's moving to a six-man rotation. We've been you know, advocating for that for quite some time because it just makes sense. I don't really think that um, going to a six-man rotation really affects the, you know, the sharpness of the pitcher, but to give them an extra day of rest going into the posting, I think it's a brilliant move. It also helps because I don't think they have any off days for a while. So they're pitching on five days rest as opposed to four. And you brought up 2021. And I think we'll get into it now with Walker Buehler being ruled out for the rest of the season. He's undergoing uh, elbow surgery. We don't know the official diagnosis yet. They will announce that on August 23rd when he, when he visits Dr. Neil Alatrosh. But nice, Kevin. But the big the big thing with me yeah, is I feel like I, you nailed that pronunciation, dude. Thanks. Yeah, you, you nailed it. Yeah, but bro. the biggest thing that we kind of noticed with Bueller last season is when you go from a shortened 2020 season to a full season in 2021, the Dodgers desperately needed everything they could get out of Bueller with the injuries. And then I'll get into the postseason in a second. Coming into September, he started to look like he was getting a little fatigued. And then rolling into October, you could just tell he was not the same lights out Walker Bueller. They had to use him on three days rest multiple times. I think once against the Giants and then against Atlanta when Max Scherzer had to sit out because his arm was too tired. Bueller went on three innings. He just did three days rest. I mean, he did not look like the same Walker Bueller. was able to go three innings. And then in that fourth inning, he was just completely out of gas. And I just think he was not the same pitcher ever since then. He did not, he just was not right in 2022. Yeah. I mean, he was just not, he, I, I was banking on him not coming back. Um, that was just my mindset the whole time when he went down with the injury, he obviously wasn't pitching great before then he had the injury. The Dodgers have been cooking. They, you know, they got Andrew Haney back. Hopefully he can stick around and be, and be healthy. Dustin Mays on the way back. Gonsolin, Arias. We've already talked about how they've shoved Tyler Anderson as well. So this starting rotation is, is solid and it's been solid without Bueller, not saying that we're not going to miss him because he is a big time postseason pitcher for us, but I was looking at it like he wasn't going to come back. And if he did come back, I would be pleasantly surprised. Just like I would be pleasantly surprised if Tommy Canely ever pitched again for us, you know, it's the same, it's the same kind of sentiment. um, When you look at kind of the severity of, of Bueller's injury. 
that's my biggest concern though with Walker Buehler is he is that guy in October and Urias has proven it. Kershaw has obviously proven it, but after that, it is kind of a bunch of question marks. Who is going to step up and be that third big number three guy? Cause in years past Walker Buehler, you give him the ball, whether you're down a hole or you're trying to just end the other team. He came up big against the nationals in that game five of the NLDS when the Dodgers had their backs against the wall against the Braves in the NLCS, Bueller, Bueller was there to shine, and then he only got one start in that World Series. But again, lights out. They have to make sure Urias is not overworked because he is essentially going to be the Dodgers' number one starter and potentially that guy you go into an eliminate, elimination game with. Yeah, I got a good feeling about Tyler Anderson in the playoffs. I think he just has the right mentality the right attitude and the right uh, kind of even keel behavior on the mound. Uh, we've seen Gonsolin kind of get, you know, I don't want to say rattled, but kind of overtaken by the moment in the playoffs. And yes, now he has the experience of, of the 2020 world series uh, as well. And I'm not hundred percent sure if he pitched last year. I don't think he did. Uh, no, came out of the bullpen against the Braves. Yeah. yeah. So I think he is due for, uh, you know, a rise to the moment, if you will. But li- like I said last week, I think this playoff rotation uh, is going to be Urias, Anderson, Gonsolin, and May. No, not no, Kershaw. You cannot leave out Kershaw. I don't know. I'm not counting on him being back fully healthy. I'm just not. If he's healthy, he's going to be in there. But I'm just, I'm not penciling him in just yet. It, no, I agree with you. That's that. That's a safe choice, David. Uh, but if Kershaw is healthy. That's an October warhorse right there, man. Yeah. You're not going to keep him off the mound in October. I mean, you could you could see it on his face watching those games, knowing he couldn't be out there with his team, especially in that series against Atlanta. It hurt, hurt him, and even to a lesser extent, it hurt Max Muncy as well. Um, I, I liked your guys' takes. I'm just going to say this about Walker Bueller. My thing was this. I think it hurt the bullpen if anything, about him coming back. I never banked on him coming back as a starter. I think there were two unfair narratives attached to this season-ending injury. One is, uh, oh, well, you know, who's going to start game one? What were you guys watching this year? Walker Bueller, outside of that complete game shutout against the Arizona Diamondbacks, was not very good. I was at the game against the Mets where they shelled him. I mean, like he was a bag of peanuts. That's how bad he was in that game. That was his last start before all of this injury and the flexor and the bone spurs, whatever it was, started to occur. So at best, you were going to get him back as a reliever. And the second aspect is the asking price for all of these starters, Luis Castillo, Frankie Montez, Tyler Molle, were all through the roof. And I don't know about you guys, but not none of these guys are proven in October. So what exactly were you going to give away four of your top 10 or 15 prospects to to get a guy who is maybe a touch better than Udius and Gonsolin? So that's the one thing I just want to say about Walker Bueller. Take the season off, get that elbow right, come back May or June of next year. And, and, and do what uh, Dustin May is doing now. And hopefully this will be the last time you have to. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Because that's the second of his career now, if it is, knock on wood, TJ. Yeah, apparently, uh, Dr. – what is it, Kevin? Ella Trache is just going to be on hand to scope, to see the elbow. I don't think he's actually doing the surgery, so I think it's going to be kind of a 
once they get in there, then we're going to diagnose it uh, type deal. So if he can avoid Tommy John, that's huge. Uh, if not, it's unfortunate, but people come back from two Tommy Johns all the time now. We actually have a good listener question, and I think this is going to be a good discussion maybe in three weeks because there's just a little unknown right now. But DZ Clark 98 asked the show, will Dustin May be a starter in the postseason? If we're going off just what we've seen in AAA, you, you kind of have to say yes. But we all know that Major League Baseball is a whole different animal. And like I just said, I need to see at least probably three stars out of him because I want to make sure the mechanics are there. It seems like the stuff is there, but I think it will come down to him or Tyler Anderson for that fourth spot, if I'm being honest. Look, the Dodgers are on cruise control right now, so they can ease him back in as slowly as they want. And I think that we just have to wait and see. We, I don't think we can get ahead of ourselves. Same goes for Blake Trinan. You know, you just got to see what he's like when he comes back. How does he look health-wise? The stuff is there for both of them, no doubt about it, but it's about them being healthy. And if Dustin May looks like he can go deep into games, and hell yeah, I want him starting uh, in a postseason. Go ahead, Chris. You got anything on this one? Yeah, so this goes back to what I was saying earlier. These next six weeks are going to be a glorified spring training. Who wants these jobs? And yeah, you've been great at in OKC and AAA and everything like that. Can that be duplicated to the major league level? The one thing I do like about Dustin May, he does have the strikeout stuff. And even if he's not a fourth starter, what you could do is have him as the long man, the mop-up guy. Piggyback. Exactly. So if Anderson or Gonsolin or any of these guys don't have their A game, boom, Dustin is the first guy up in the in the in the bullpen getting ready to pitch the third or fourth inning. That gives you that bridge to the to the big arms later uh, in in the game when the uh, situations are are bigger, the stakes are higher, the leverage it, it, it becomes a whole thing. So I like Dustin May. I love what he's done down in AAA Oklahoma City. But let's just pump the brakes just a hair just to see what he does at the big league level when he's healthy. All right, so I'm going to take the complete opposite take. I'm going to say an emphatic yes. Uh, Dustin May will be a part of this playoff rotation. He just has it. He is a psychopath on the mound. He's got some of the best stuff in baseball. And if he's back to what he was before he got hurt, it's a resounding yes to the answer to that question. You can't keep that guy off the mound in the playoffs. You just can't. He has the playoff experience. He's done it before. You can tell his attitude is built for this moment uh, of, of, of the playoffs. In terms of pure stuff in baseball, I think he's number one. I legitimately think he has the best pure stuff in baseball. I can't think of anybody else who, who has the complete package of stuff now that he's thrown in the curveball. Maybe DeGrom, maybe. Uh, and that's I understand that's, that's big talk, but that's what I emphatically believe. So, yes, I'm going to say hardcore yes. I'll even take it a step further. I think he's going to be the best pitcher for the Dodgers in the playoffs. Starting pitcher. I'll just say really quickly about Dustin May. I love the fact that he is, he's got something to prove and you can tell that he has something to prove. He's been out for a whole year. He got hurt in Milwaukee last year. It was devastating because he was ab- He was dealing up until that point. So he's got something to prove. He's got a chip on his shoulder. That's the type of player you want in October. Yep. I think you could make a case. All the Dodgers starters have something that they're trying to prove. Anderson's on a contract yep. year. He's about to get paid big in the offseason. Andrew Heaney is kind of the same deal. Wanted to have that Robbie Ray type of breakout season. The injuries have kind of pushed him back, so he might have to do another one-year deal and redeem him. But when he's been on the mound, he's been absolutely filthy, proving a lot of skeptics wrong that he does belong in the majors and has six strikeout stuff. And the Julio Urias, I mean, the whole narrative right now is he's trying to prove he is that guy for the Dodgers and can step up and be the number one starter because he's going to be a free agent pretty soon down the road. And as a Scott Boris client, he's going to want to get a huge, massive payday himself. And then, of course, Clayton Kershaw has a big chip on his shoulder because we already mentioned earlier he missed last postseason. And so he wants to essentially prove that he still is that guy. So. It's a great whole narrative storyline going into October, and there's going to be so many Dodgers pitchers with just so much to prove. Don't I mean, don't forget Gonsolin either. I mean, he has a lot to prove in the playoffs. He hasn't shown it in the playoffs before. The uh, only yep. thing, the only thing that could derail this pitching staff is is health. That's the only thing because if they're all healthy, there's nobody's going to touch them. And everyone in New York is saying the same thing, by the way. Yep. But the only thing that could derail that staff is health. Oh, 100%.
Oh, the New York Mets or that or about the Dodgers? The Mets for sure. <laughs> about the Mets, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some sports experts for national media say that the Nets are sorry, the Mets are the favorites right now, and I'm like, let's see them prove it first because, in my opinion, it's the Dodgers league, and everyone else is just trying to catch them right now. Here's so a hot take: that lineup could get had. That lineup can get had if you could keep your if you could keep Alonzo from from staying in the yard. And keep an eye on Frankie Lindor, everyone else. I mean, Marcana is a good hitter, but Marcana is not going to, is not going to pull an Eddie Rosario on you in a, in a seven game series. Yeah. I think that offense can get had and the, and, and I just want to say this about this Brewer series. Doesn't this have a playoff feel? Look at all three of these games, all playoff type games, low scores, extra innings, big outs to get. This is a it's really always, good test for, for the Dodgers right? at that ballpark for the Dodgers. I always. totally agree, Jake. I was just saying this. The the Miller Park is to the Dodgers what the Rose Garden was to the Lakers for years. A difficult place to win at, no matter how good or bad the Blazers are. They always give the Lakers a run for their money. Same could be said about the Brewers and the Dodgers at Miller Park. Yeah, I mean, it has American been a pretty, Family Insurance Park. It's been nowadays. it's been a close <laughs> series, but I feel like the Dodgers have been a lot more relaxed in this one as, as opposed to years past, as opposed to the Brewers that are actually in the wild card hunt right now. I mean, the Dodgers are rolling out lineups where getting to right now where Cody Bellinger is being benched and Roberts is throwing them out there in the national media saying that they're doing a reset on him. Yeah. They had a meeting to me. in the man, in the manager's office. We don't know what went on in that meeting. We probably never will, but this is kind of on brand for Roberts. He has historically been very strict on Bellinger. He benched him in 2018 because he felt he wasn't hustling. He hit that ball, I believe it was in San Francisco, and he kind of may or may not have loafed it to second. Who knows? But Roberts, for whatever reason, has this weird sort of strict complex with Bellinger. And I don't know. I hope it works. Uh, We know what a big-time bat Bellinger is in the playoffs. Obviously, his defense is is absolutely out of this world. So if he can get right now and get that runway to October, I mean, I hope this works. Weird timing because he has three home runs in his last seven games, although I think one of them came off a position player. But Chris Taylor didn't even bring him up yet. Catch of the year so far, robbing Andrew McCutcheon of what would have been a walk-off double, most likely, in the 10th inning. I don't know how he's he does it, but history repeated itself in that moment back when he robbed Christian Yelich in 2018. Same yeah, ballpark. We won that game. Doesn't matter though. The it, it, it almost felt like that uh, that Eddie Alvarez game tying single way back in the day, and then and then I think I think it was Kimbrel. Eddie yeah, Alvarez. I like forgot about him. Entirely. He ended up blowing uh, it. That was against the Mets. That was against this the was Mets. still this season. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was. It was, the sun, <laughs> it was the Sunday game. It was the Sunday yeah, game. Yeah. So that that yeah. I. Always, I've always, I, I thought immediately of that when I kept seeing the, the Chris Taylor highlight. I was like, that's a really great catch, but it sucks that it's associated with a loss. I mean, it obviously didn't lead to the loss, but right. it sucks that it happened in a loss. Yes, Eddie Alvarez, he was on this team at one point. He exists also. Two, two, two-time Olympian. Or Olympic you know what's medalist. funny? You know, it's funny. I just want to say this, uh, and Jake, you'll appreciate this. A, a little big league reference. Yes, uh, remember when Luke, when Luke Collins goes into the office and he says, you're benching me. And Billy yes. says, I think you've been pressing. I think that was the sort of the conversation between Bellinger and Dave Roberts. How am I where... supposed to hit when I don't get to bat, but once a week, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was Jerry Johnson, but it, it, it essentially it's the same. Oh, the Luke, uh, the Luke Collins scene. Yeah. That, yeah the Luke come Collins on, Jake. Scene. Lock yeah. it in. Dude. Yeah, Christ. I know. Luke Collins goes in and, Clearly and he says, Luke you're Collins. benching me. Yeah. You're benching me. He's just like, lighten up, Billy. We're, we're one game out, but he told him, I think you've been pressing except in this case, I don't think Bellinger has been pressing. I think Bellinger has actually had some lifeless at bats, the energy, the intensity, the focus has just not been the same. And while, and I think the other thing that's frustrating is like, well, now Max Muncie has come out of it. Justin Turner's come out of it. Everyone who has struggled has essentially come out of it except you. And it looked like you were coming out of it. And now you're right back to where you were in May and June. So at this point, sit him for a couple games, sit in the corner, think about what you did. And then in 10 minutes, you can go back and, and have your, the rest of your play time. It's wild. Cause he's fourth on the team right now in home runs, 16 of them. So the power is coming. I think he could actually finish the season with 22, maybe 23 home runs, which given everything else with Bellinger's bat, I'll take that. Yeah, you know, I didn't really look at this as a benching. I 
you know, as we've talked about, this is just kind of an audition period for the playoffs. They don't need to win literally any of these games. So I think they can afford to just be like, yo, let's just give you a little reset. We got Trace Thompson. We got Joey Gallo. No problem. We can get you in there in a couple days. See how you're doing. That's it. So I didn't really look at this as, as a benching. I, I do. It was kind of weird. Do we uh, know if Roberts, he's in there tomorrow? I don't be. know. Uh, I'm guessing yes. I think it was a two-day thing, Robert mm-hmm. said. But I, especially off a of lefty uh, today also, it just made sense. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, Bell, Bellinger's going to be in there in the playoffs. The defense is just too valuable. Even though they're so far ahead in the standings, you can tell that Dave Roberts is still overall managing with a sense of urgency because I know deep down he does not want a repeat of 2019 where team was just on cruise control the entire second half, no competition. They run into a blazing hot Washington Nationals and they had no answer for Strasburg, Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin to an extent. So it's great that they have this stretch right now where they're going to face Corbin Burns next. Then they got a date with Sandy Alcantara, who's leading the National League. And nailed that too, Kevin. On it. Okay, we don't need to point out all these on the air <laughs> just to waste the time. But <laughs> front runner for the Cy Young. And, you know, they got their schedule against two other Marlins pitchers. Hey, Jesus Lazaro. How about I give another random little big league quote just that has no connection to anything? How about that? Would that waste time too? And Braxton Garrett. Ouch, Jake. So. Yeah. Who was so, the last guy? I never heard of that guy. Rookie, I believe. Braxton Garrett. A right. lefty. My only take when they face the Marlins is that I'll say it every year. Don Magley is the worst. Well, yep. the worst thing to ever happen to the Dodgers. Terrorist. I, in my opinion, he is the worst manager in Dodgers history. If you want to dispute that, go ahead. Wait, hold will, on. I will hold rebuttal. I saw, I saw Chris's face. What do you got over there? About Don Mattingly? <laughs> yeah. Don Mattingly helped the Dodgers get back into the playoff picture. You think I mean, it was because of Don Mattingly, though? I, I mean, or do you think it's because that the was Guggenheim... a toxic? That was a toxic clubhouse. I mean, I have somebody toxic who worked... with Mattingly too. But sorry, I don't. I don't. Yeah, know no, 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 no. That's fine. I mean, from everything that I heard, with all the massive personalities that they had in there, a lot of non-team first guys, a lot of guys making eight figures that had no business making eight figures, and he kept that ship steady. So yeah, I mean listen, is he the best manager? No. And he certainly was not going to be a good fit with this, with this group, uh, with the Guggenheim group and Friedman. And at the time, Farhan Zaidi in, in the direction that they wanted to take the team, but to say that he's the worst in team history, I, I, I can't really, I, I can't sign off on that. I think mostly we're talking in-game stuff where it just, his, his moves did make, make very little sense. Um, I think, I think Roberts is, is leaps and bounds better than him, but still, there's still a lot of in-game issues with Roberts a lot of the time, especially in the playoffs. The, 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 the bone I have to pick with Mattingly is mostly just Kershaw related. Honestly. I mean, he is the number one offender of why there is that false narrative around Clayton Kershaw, not being good in the playoffs. I mean, he was fucking phenomenal for six innings of the game and he'd send him out there for the seventh with a hundred plus pitches. Uh, against a team that's had success against him time and time and time and time and time and time that, again. That falls on Coletti though, because they didn't have anybody to back yeah. up Kershaw. It you was got, literally look, a giant gap to your death and then Kenley Jansen. Again, that's irrelevant. You can't do that to a pitcher time and time again. You just can't do it. And if and you're gonna honestly, have these guys in the bullpen, they would you they gotta use them. They would have yeah. rather risked going out with Kershaw because he was better fully out of gas than anyone such as Pedro Baez, Brian Wilson, Chris uh, Perez. Perez. Yeah. It was, it was the worst. No, it, it was, it, it was. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you guys are saying. And by the way, you could actually paint Bruce Bochy with that same boat. He ran Lincecum and Matt Kane and those guys into the ground as well. And you could even make an argument for Madison Bumgarner because he hasn't go back to that 2016 NLDS against Chicago they slapped him around in that, in that game. I mean, a lot more than what we had been used to seeing. So there is he that ele- he aged pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. he did. And you, you know, you're, you're not going to tell me Bruce Bochy didn't have a hand in that. I mean, running these guys out there, Dusty Baker's done that for years uh, in San Francisco and even in Chicago. But what I will say about Mattingly and, and you pointed it out, Kevin, about Coletti, Coletti did not build a good enough bullpen where, or even a good back into the rotation where you feel comfortable going with 
let's say a beat up Josh Beckett or Chad Billingsley before you go back to Kershaw on that third day. Yeah. I mean, Hunjin Rio was quietly like the best number three in baseball. Right. He did have some injuries in 2014 and that's why he was not a factor in 2015 and 2016 because I, I remember they, I think it was the NLDS or no, no, he's, it was leading into the NLDS. They had to skip a couple starts. I don't think he pitched at all in September. Then he was able to go out there against the Cardinals, held his own in that game three. They still lost. Colton Wong had a big home run off. Scott Elbert, another awful Dodgers reliever. Yeah, so. he was very bad. Then <laughs> <laughs> that was Mattingly's guy. That was Scott Elbert. That was Mattingly's boy right there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. but we've, we, I've opened up a can of worms. I'm sorry. Let's get back on track here. Let's let's talk about what's going on in San Diego because, oh, goody, it's a doozy. The big story, obviously, everyone knows by now, Fernando Tatis Jr. has been suspended 80 games because he tested positive for anabolic steroids. He used uh, Clostable. I might have butchered that, but it was to treat <laughs> ringworm. It. Treated ringworm, which doesn't make any sense. That's already been debunked by a number of experts online and over the phone, I'm sure. And then Fernando Tatis Sr., said his son went out to Mexico or something to get a haircut, which just sounds absolutely ridiculous and blames that he picked up a fungus during that haircut. And that's why he tested positive for okay. steroids. But just the, the the last thing real quick is, so he'll miss 48 games this year. Then he has to carry over, over that suspension, 32 games next season. But given everything that they've invested in this guy, 340 million to be the face of major league baseball, the face of the Padres to be their savior for them to go in what could be just three postseason runs with Juan Soto now to only be two potentially. He not only let down all his teammates, but he let down millions of fans because this was supposed to be the next icon. And now that he's tarnished his reputation, I don't know if he'll, he's ever going to recover from this. Yeah. And he won't make the hall of fame now. I yep. mean, it's just, there's so many things that he just didn't think about before doing this or let's say his story is what checks out the fact that he wasn't vigilant enough oh, i'm just saying let's just say for the sake of argument he's he wasn't vigilant enough to figure out what he was putting on his body in his body whatever i mean it just goes unfortunately it goes along the same exact pattern that this guy has been displaying since he signed that big ass contract doesn't take care of his body he does reckless things with motor cycles avoids the surgery that he should have had takes this steroid that by one report that i saw basically slowed his recovery process so i mean (laughs) he didn't even do steroids right everything he did he just did carelessly and he didn't understand the responsibility that he has to not only his team but like kevin said to the rest of major league baseball the young kids that look up to him i mean this guy was on the cover of mlb the show i mean now it's like all of that's ruined the padres what are they going to do with all those bobbleheads now where are they going to go just a big pile of tati's bobbleheads that they had to basically take out swap in a one soto jersey night they didn't even acknowledge Tatis's name. They just said it replaced a previously scheduled bobblehead night for a player. We're not going to Such talk about cowards, dude. It's just a mess. But I will give Padres fans credit because even as the freaking sky is falling in, they still somehow try and take a swipe at the Dodgers or come after Dodgers Twitter and they always miss. But I'm astounded that they try still. I'm going to take an actually, for once in my life, a serious tone to this because I actually really enjoyed Fernando Tatis playing baseball. He was really fun to watch. I liked him as a player. I think he was kind of immature on the field, but he's super young. I really liked him playing. So this was extremely disappointing for me. I was legitimately, you know, it's fun to rag on the Padres and stuff, but this is legitimately bad for baseball. It really is. And put in everything Jake just said, you just can't be that immature. They just gave you 300 something million dollars. You're riding around on motorcycles, lying about broken wrists, two motorcycle accidents. And then you're, you're not even taking your recovery seriously. You're, you're playing soccer in the outfield when you're trying to recover from a broken wrist, you take steroids, you take the wrong steroid, you lie about it. You say you got ringworm and you say you took steroids for ringworm, which has been proven by 
the dermatologists of the world that this, this would actually make ringworm significantly worse. So the lying, the cheating is extremely disappointing. And I will give credit to some Padres fans who expressed that uh, to him. And I give credit to uh, Musgrove and uh, Clevenger uh, for calling him out as well. Yeah, I, I think you guys are hit the nail on the head. This is just a bad situation. I mean, let's go back a year. This guy was the runner-up for MVP. I mean, uh, it, it was, it's obvious he's got a boatload of talent, the speed, the power, all of those things. He's not very good defensively, but still, he's box office is what you were saying, Dave. He's box office. Yep. He is a guy that you will seek out a game. Uh, a Padres game just to see his at bats. And we don't say that about a lot of players, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Otani, Aaron judge, just to name a few, but he's definitely on that short list. And you look in the last year, the motorcycle accident, you say, okay, that happens. It's still stupid, but it happens now this, and you're just putting your face in your hand. Like we gave this guy's this guy, the keys to the castle. We wanted him to be, the, you know, one of the most popular Padres of all time up on the Mount Rushmore with Tony Gwynn and Trevor Hoffman. And he is just completely crapping all over it, showing a, a, a total amount of disrespect to the organization that gave him this money to the fans, to his teammates, to the game of baseball, to everybody. And what makes it worse is you're not owning it. Yep. You're trying to weasel your way out of it. You're trying yep. to justify it. Own it. Because if you do own it, you're young enough and it's early enough in your career where maybe it could be forgiven down the road where you are at Cooperstown one day, a la Andy Pettit, a la Yvonne Rodriguez, Ortiz. a la David Ortiz, who just got in. Congrats to Big Poppy. But when you do, it's not just the fact that you're getting suspended. It's the fact that how you handle things afterwards, just like what we said with the Astros, you guys didn't own anything. You know, and Still you, guys, haven't. you guys, yeah, exactly. Own mistakes. That is the problem with our country right now. Not to diverge over there, but we don't own anything. <laughs> and we get awfully defensive when we're called out on anything, on, on, on anything. Small or big. That's right, so Chris. That's what... All he had to do was stand up in front of a microphone and said, I fucked up. I wanted to get back on the field. This is on me. I apologize. That's yeah. it. That's all he had to do. And instead, he's taking the coward's way out. And I, you know what I will say? His dad is the worst. How are you going to be a pro, a former major leaguer? And this is what this is how you're going to advise your, your child to do who just signed a $300 million deal and is, is running around. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Motorcycles and lying to the team and, you know, you're, you're going to cover for them with this haircut story. I mean, that is some of the worst parenting 
And Fernando Tatis Sr. should be ashamed of himself. I mean, what a what an awful dad. Everything you said, Chris, also applies to Russell Westbrook. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy didn't own anything in his exit interview last year. <laughs> no, because, right. because, because nothing is ever our fault. And we're either trying to do that to save face or, or we do that because we genuinely believe that we're these amazing individuals that are perfect in every single way. That's why you got to respect guys like Kershaw. Who, whenever they have a bad outing, he gets a, he gets up in front of reporters and says, "I suck tonight." Yep. Yeah. You know I who actually? Good. You know who did that? Or Sean was, McVay was Craig Kimbrell yesterday. He said that he he basically said, "Yeah, I, I didn't execute. I was bad." And that's that's not how Ken, I love Kenley Jansen, but that is not how he would handle the situations when he would blow a save. That's not how he would handle it. No, of course not. And by the way, the the biggest ownership was Pedro Martinez uh, in the 2004 ALCS. I just tipped my cap and called the Yankees my daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Also, on top of that, speaking of Pedro Martinez, did you see the clip of him coming out in defense of Fernando Tatis Jr.? No. No. Basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he blamed the Padres for Fernando Tatis Jr. testing positive. They should have been more on top of him. They should have known more about what point. he was taking. And Grown man. And Jimmy Rollins, who was sitting right next to him on the desk, was like, he was like, Pedro, what are you talking about? Like, you can you can go out of out of view of the team anytime you want and put whatever in your body. They're not gonna know. Like, what do you what do you mean? What, what are you holding the Padres accountable for this? Yeah. All the all the I, steroids I, guys were defending him. I saw David Ortiz defend him. I saw A-Rod defend him. Was Pedro a steroid guy? I actually saw no, A-Rod. I, A-Rod had a good take about this. He 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 actually had a really good take. He was On like, Don't K-Rod he podcast. shouldn't have, he shouldn't have made the same mistake that I made. Right. And that's why, and, and A-Rod even said, when I said what I said back in the 2008 or 2009 season, that was one of the things, I, I think it was around that time, it was right around they won the World Series or I think like a year after that. He said, I wanted young people to learn from my mistakes, how quickly things can change. That you can go from one of the all-time great baseball players to now somebody who's got an asterisk associated with their name with the, for the rest of their career. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but yeah. that, was, that was the intent of why he spoke up about his own drug usage. But I will say this about what Pedro said. I will hold the Padres accountable because of the lack of accountability that they have held Tatis to. And that also includes, and I love him to death, Bob Melvin. I really wish Bob Melvin had a little bit more grovel in that voice when they were interviewing him. There was too much of this aw shucks Midwestern nice guy in there. It's like, Bob, <laughs> you've been around this game enough, man. Get, 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 some, get some sand in your craw right now. Now's the time to do it because that could set a tone for, for the rest of your squad. And this could be a rallying point for you guys, not to give the Padres any sort of hope or anything like that. But if I were manager, I, I would have done, I would have taken a page out of what Clevenger and Joe Musgrove did. I have an idiot of the week. It's also a San Diego Padre, but his name is Jerickson. That was mine. That was going to be mine. Take it away, though. So the context basically is Miguel Rojas roped a double into left field, and I could have driven to LAX faster from my house than the time it took Profar to grab the ball. Then he, like, quintupled, clutched it, tried to throw it to third. That By then, it allowed Rojas to reach on a triple that run eventually scored. I think the Padres ended up losing the game. Joe Musgrove, Juan Soto, and Manny Machado were absolutely pissed. They gave this guy an earful. You could tell Profar didn't own it. And then he just goes on this Twitter block rampage. <laughs> Anybody that said anything or liked something affiliated with Profar, you were blocked. Thankfully, I was not a victim this time out. I, I stayed out of it. But I saw a number of screenshots showing you were a victim to the the bro the profar blockage. Did we ever find out if he was like challenging Miguel Rojas? Because it was a the clip of was him like sort of waving his arm, or was he trying to wave the cutoff man over? Did did we ever figure that out? Or I think that's just another cowardly Padre lie. I mean, it, you saw it. It was looked like he was challenging Rojas, and Hassan Kim was trying to you know move over. I don't buy jerks and pro far. And you know why? Because of how he conducted himself when Clayton Kershaw, I think accidentally hit him and he acted like it was on purpose. Get the hell out of here. Clayton Kershaw's not hitting a career 210 hitter uh, on purpose. He was for sure challenging Rojas 
to go to third. It didn't work out. So now he had to say Haas, he was moving Ha-Sung Kim over to be the cutoff man. You don't need a cutoff man to go from left field to third base. Come on. I mean, you know, I'm not going to take anything that asshole says seriously. A bad play. Uh, no question about that. And it just seems like it was deja vu of what we saw last year between Tatis and Machado and Machado getting into Tatis's face. Like this is, this is bigger than you. This is not about you. So it just goes to show you that the Padres, no matter how talented they are, and they got a loaded lineup, they got a really good starting rotation. They got a solid bullpen, but at the same point in time, there's something missing there. There's a lack of maturity, lack of experience, but there's something that just doesn't well, they don't have a leader. I mean, it, 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 Manny, I, Manny Machado is supposed to be that guy and he just isn't. Yep. Yeah, but I think this, once again, this is reminiscent to the lack of a positive, strong experience and dialed in clubhouse culture. That's going to be the one thing that keeps this team from going to the next level, in my opinion. But also the throw, right? The throw didn't look like he even was trying to put his body behind yeah. it. It was like a weird flat-footed throw that you wouldn't normally do if you're trying to get somebody out. All right, we're going to wrap this show up. So, Chris, I'm throwing it back to you. Since you are our guest, I wanted to offer you an opportunity to either bring up a topic or question us on something or just speak your mind. So I'm throwing it on you. Sorry. (laughs) How could I question all these great takes in this group? I mean, (laughs) come on over here. I'm just trying my best to keep up. I did have one idea, though. Uh, As we know, last late last week, Ken Giles, former all-star closer, uh, was designated for assignment by the Seattle Mariners. Interesting move but he's only gotten 18 outs all year. I think six of them have been on strikeouts. Uh, He's had shoulder inflammation, some issues there. I know the Dodgers have a history of taking broken pitchers, and sometimes they get fixed, and sometimes they don't. Uh, See Craig Kimbrell. Should the Dodgers, in your guys' opinion, take a flyer on Ken Giles, and what would be the corresponding move to make that happen, and is it worth the risk at this point? You're preaching to the choir because I've been pushing for that guy for a few years. I think they should take the risk. They probably would have to sign him on a major league contract, so you would have to DFA someone. So I'm not going to throw any names out there because that's just not kind, but there are guys they could get rid of. And uh, Dellen Patonsis just retired today. He was released by the Dodgers. Didn't work out, struggled in AAA, so he called it a career. So there's probably an opportunity to give him a few rehab outings in OKC because I think they could somehow claim an injury. And then you got all of September to see what you got with the guy with rosters expanding to 28, why not? They need – this guy has been in a World Series, although I hate to admit the circumstance, but he's been in high leverage. He has a nasty slider. He still throws a nice fastball. There's something there. Why not give him a couple million, see what you got? You can never have enough pitching. I mean, that's just plain and simple, especially when it comes to October and you're going to need as many arms as possible. So why not? Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't mind the flyer. I think we're kind of running out of time here for Ken Giles, you know, someone who's not fully healthy, someone who's had issues in the, in the postseason in his past. Uh, if you remember 2017, they removed him as the closer. Uh, I frankly would rather see Carson Fulmer get a chance. Uh, I mean, he's been really, really good in AAA for the Dodgers. I, I, I don't have his ERA and his, and his games pulled up entirely right now, but he hasn't got a, ch- a shot all year. I-, I would like them to give Carson Fulmer a chance to see if he can contribute to this major league uh, roster. He's healthy. He's in the organization. He's, he's, he's got his feet in the ground in LA or Oklahoma city. Uh, but I wouldn't mind Giles. Can't hurt. It's not going to hurt the team. All right, Chris, this, this will be the last segment. And then if we have time for any closing thoughts, but big day for the Lakers, they gave LeBron James a massive extension Wanted your thoughts on that. And then just a follow-up comment. Happy to see that they're retiring Pau Gasol's number. It's number 16. Well-deserved was, besides Kobe Bryant, obviously, besides Kobe, obviously, the driving force to two Lakers championships. And in my opinion, probably one of the most underrated basketball players of all time. We knew he was an all-star, but really, I think his value was underappreciated by fans near the end of his tenure. Definitely. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, here's the thing with LeBron. It's you're about to give a guy going into his 20th season, a two year extension, and it's basically doubled what they gave Kobe Bryant back in the 2014 season that would take him to 2016. Uh, But at this point, what were your options? You were going to let him walk and move on to what? So at least now, you know, we've got this window for two years. 
Now we've got clarity. Now we could kind of go out and pursue. If you can't pursue Kyrie Irving, go out and uh, talk to Indiana, go out and talk to Utah, try to add some good complimentary pieces that might be able to buy in and fill in their roles next to Davis and, uh, and Anthony Davis, as far as I'm sorry, uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron, as far as Pau Gasol goes, two-time NBA champion, three-time all-star was beloved by Laker fans. He found that dog in him in the 2010 NBA finals that propelled the Lakers to finally knock out the Celtics and, and, and get that second straight championship. So Gasol underrated could pass, could score, could rebound well-deserved to have his uh, Jersey uh, hung up by the Lakers and the Raptors and uh, reunited with Kobe Bryant, at least in spirit. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Anyone here, any final thoughts, anything you want to throw out there real quick? we got a few minutes until close. I don't have much. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to this kind of audition period for the Dodgers. I am not stressed out at all watching these games. The division is locked up. Uh, I guess my only final thought is in almost all certainty, the Dodgers are going to have to get through the Braves in the NLDS and then probably the Mets in the NLCS. So to get to the World Series, they're going to have to go through both of those NL East teams uh, and it's going to be a tough one in my opinion, but if they get to the world series, they're going to win it because the American league is bad this year. The Astros are the only, only, only legitimate competition. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this period as well. Um, just to see what, what the Dodgers have in terms of the guys that are coming back, really excited for Dustin may, um, like really, really excited. It's, it's, it's going to be electric. Um, he's, he's, he's pitching up. I think he's, what is it next, next weekend, Saturday, this Saturday, this Saturday, sorry, this coming weekend. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be electric. Um, and you know, like I said, he's pitching with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to, he's going to just be rocking and firing and, uh, just, I just can't wait to see it. All right, guys, make sure to subscribe to the inclined daughters podcast, wherever you listen, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Follow Chris Camello on Twitter at Chris underscore Camello. Uh, you can find the spelling in the description below. And once again, Chris, thanks for joining us. You brought the fire. Tons thanks, of fun, Chris. tons of great takes. Locked in. So Loved locked it. in tonight, dude. I had a great time. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Keep up the great work on, on your end and uh, let's do it again soon. Hell yeah, Chris. All right. Later, everyone. Thanks for listening. Go Dodgers. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.